it's our second attempt at this thing. We're trying to get the audio to work out, and I I'm good at talking, but I'm not good at technical stuff. So, <laughs> hey, it's all good. Oh man, I, I'm I'm not good at that side either. So we're yeah. we're shooting in the dark here, dude. That's fantastic. Well, you're starting off a, a new a new career. That's in right. Real estate. Yep. Real estate. Yep. That's freaking sick. I love that. Yeah. How did um? Why did you decide to go from like the sports world to to real estate? Because you yeah. worked for a big sporting organization or prior to this. Yeah, and I I think for me it was a lot of you know I knew for a long time being in kind of the sales and relationship building business, if you want to call it that way, which I think that that's the best way to put it is, you know, I always thought and knew that I would go into real estate because of the fact that, you know, I I enjoy talking with people. I enjoy learning and, and, and really understanding what they desire, kind of the needs that they have in that particular moment time and place. And for, for me, because I've enjoyed that, I knew that I'm also the kind, kind of person that doesn't like to not do anything. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my thought of everything and, and you know, I was really blessed and, and did really well in the sports world and had a lot of connections throughout the different leagues throughout the countries and even some over um, overseas with some of the business side. And, and it was kind of in my thought that, you know, when I retire, I'll go and I'll go into real estate because I'm at least going to be doing something, you know, hopefully by that time money wouldn't be something that I, you know, was desperate for. And and it would just give me a good opportunity to still be able to work and do something and still again, work toward making some money. Um, then things. Yeah. So so is real estate, like real estate was always a plan. Real estate was always a plan. It was always a thought of, of getting into, it just came a little bit earlier than, than I probably thought it would, but uh-huh. again, I, I'm not the, I'm not the overall planner for my life. You know that that was a plan that was already predestined. It was just for me to walk through the door. Who who is the overall planner of your life? Is it, is That's, it Andy or is it God? <laughs> God, no, God for sure. I mean, so many of the things that uh, that I've experienced in my life has definitely been god's hand for sure um even to meeting my wife you know it was it was one of those things that you you know if if somebody told me when i was you know 16 that this is how i would meet my wife in the situation that we were in i would be like yeah you're crazy yep here we are uh going on three years um this june so wow that's fantastic so what were the circumstances around meeting your wife then like what what do you mean yeah so i I moved up to Spokane and, and when I was in Spokane, I was playing up there and, and had met a, met a girl and we were dating for a while and, um, you know, through, this, isn't Andy. this is not Andy, no. And, um, you know, through a whole bunch of, again, unforeseen circumstances with going and playing at, at different colleges and, and kind of things being pulled from underneath me, kind of different curveballs. Um, I found myself coming back to California to Biola university to finish out playing and finish out college and was still dating um, the girl from Spokane for about a year that I was down in California. So we were doing distance and, you know, some things started to shift. I think I started to mature in my faith and, and just, you know, things were just different. And then over and over throughout the time after, you know, that, that split had happened, um, you know, I kept seeing this, 
this girl and, and it just kept coming. And so the joke is that, you know, we, we tell each other both. And whenever somebody asks us, we always say, Oh, she followed me or he followed me kind of vice versa. Um, <laughs> but the reality is we would see people, we would see each other everywhere. Like so much to the point where I still probably wasn't in, well, I know I wasn't, I know I was not in a space to jump into another relationship. Um, I was in the, the past relationship for three years and so, you know, again, I, you know, I thought Andy was, was very cute, very pretty. And, um, again, I just wasn't in the space to, to jump in anything like that. And so honestly, I tried to avoid her. Um, really? I did, I did. And, and, you know, I kind of saw this pattern where I would see her every other day or every, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever, whenever I had a certain class, a certain way. And, um, I recognize I'm like, man, I see her every, like every time I go this way. So I'm going to go a different way. And I would. And for whatever reason, she decided to go that different way that day. And I would see her and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I, I actually tried to avoid her. Um, Wait, I had no idea about any of this. Yeah. I, I tried to avoid her and it did not work out. And, you know, I never spoke to her. I knew her name because she played on the softball team and my best friend, uh, his girlfriend, now his wife, played on the softball team as well. And mm-hmm. so I'd go to the games with him just to, you know, hang out with him and then support another athletic team at the school. And, you know, I, again, had seen her, thought that Andy was cute. And so I knew her name, but again, I never talked to her. So one of the, the first time that I actually like engaged in conversation with her was another one of those, like, how, like, if you were to explain this to me when I was 16, I'd be like, yeah, you're crazy. But I'm sitting in the business hall. And I'm waiting for Joey. So again, my best friend, I'm waiting for him to come out of class because I needed to give him something. And I'm sitting on a chair kind of behind a wall in this little cubby. And he's late. He's kind of talking to the professor. And so I'm like, man, I, I got to go to class. And my class right. was just right down the hall. And so I stand up and I turn the corner real quick. And there's Andy, literally. And so we're walking down this hallway next to each other. Unplanned, no anything like that. And in my head, I'm like, Okay, we've seen each other enough at this point. Like we've made eye contact. We've kind and of you guys like, had never talked. We've never talked. Whoa. And and again, but we've made so many times where we've made eye contact. We've kind of like given the little smirk, you know, like hey, the acknowledgement smirk, if you may. Right. And right. So you guys have created like this like weird, like totally platonic, not even speaking relationship at this point. For sure. No. And, and finally we're halfway down the hallway and in, in my head, I go, you know what, I'm just going to do the cheesy thing. And I go, you know, I've, and I, so I looked at her and I said, you know, I've seen you a ton around school and I've never asked for your name. What's your name? And so she told me, but again, I already, already. I already, I already knew her name. Um, and she probably knew that you knew her name. Hey, I was being respectful, you know? And, but she <laughs> definitely, you know, she told me and then, I told her and then we went our separate ways. And then over time, kind of since that conversation, little conversations came up whenever we'd see each other. Um, And then it just kind of went from there. And even the more funny thing is now that we, you know, as time passed, we started to engage actually in conversations and seek each other's conversations out. And our first date was actually a group date. And every Tuesday is Taco Tuesday, and especially down in California, the taco trucks are fantastic. And every Tuesday, my apartment and some of my team would go to a taco truck. And so I knew we were going, and I asked her if she wanted to go. And so she did. 
However, I did the old school way of, okay, here, I'll pick you up at six. And she was like, okay, no number was exchanged. I did not have her number at that time. I did not text her nothing. It's just, okay, I'll pick you up at six. Wow. Uh, I showed up at six. There she was. We went to taco and you're a man of your word. Hey, it was, it's so funny though, because then at the taco night or the taco truck or whatever, one of my teammates, fantastic dude, his name's Parker. They were in the same calculus class, Parker and Andy were. And again, at this time, Andy's like, you know, my date on this taco truck day. And, um, I don't have her number. I don't ask for her number. And Parker (laughs) asked for her number because he was like, Hey, like I'm really having trouble on like this calculus thing. And they talked at tacos and she was like, yeah, same. And so they Parker actually asked for her number to help out with like calculus with each other and study. And so the joke again is like, I wasn't even the first soccer guy to ask for her number, even though I was the one on the date with her. So there it's so funny. Just a lot of the, uh, the little things that happened. But again, it's one of those things that God created that path. And again, if you told me at 16 that this is how I would meet my wife, I'd be like, you're, that's hilarious. We should make a movie about it. And yet here we are. I think maybe we should make a movie about it. Any movie producers listening, this is a great, uplifting, wholesome story. Oh man, it was, it was fantastic. It was great. Yeah, that's freaking awesome, man. And so, so now you've been married for three years. Yep, this June coming up will be three years. Oh my gosh. What's the, what's the best part about being married? Cause I feel like there's a lot of like, Oh, it's so hard. Oh, it's so hard. But like, like what, what are some fantastic parts about it? What are some good parts about being married? Yeah, no, I, I think there's definitely, there's definitely some ups and downs. And I think sometimes people will get in their head that so many things become so much easier when you become married. Um, specific, you know, specifically, and again, it, it is, but people think that and, and people, you know, are like, oh, you know, we can, we can sleep together all the time. You know, we don't have to sneak it or we don't have to, you know, not do it or anything like that. Right. Like there's so many things that people are like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. Like nothing's going to go wrong. Um, but again, we all know that that's not to be true. More of the problems that we face now, you know, we may have faced when we were single people, but are amplified because now it's with two, um, so what do you mean? Like, like what, what's an example of that? Finances, finances, making sure things are taken care of. Um, obviously there's no more hiding your dirty laundry in the closet. You know, your, your spouse is going to know things that you struggle with, things that you're not good at. Because again, when you're dating, you're together for what, maybe two hours, three hours a day when you go on a date or something like that, where, you know, for the other 18 hours or whatever, how, I don't know how much people sleep, but however long you can do whatever you want. Right. And it's been two hours a night. <laughs> right. You know, like they, you can do these things and you can hide these things where when you're married, your spouse is there, they see it. And so you, you then have to confront that to then be able to be shaped and molded to being a better person. And so I think a lot of people don't want that. They, they don't want to be called up. They, they just want to be like, Oh, that's okay. Like, you know, I'll accept them for whatever way, however they act. Um, Mm -hmm. where I think even taking that, I think that's one of the best things of marriage is especially specifically with Andy is, is she calls me up. She challenges me to be better every day. And do I fall short? Absolutely. Um, but it's always a continued growth. It's a continued 
path to be able to try to be the best I can for God, myself and my wife, you know, that's, that's Mm -hmm. kind of because all in all it comes together to, to being the best you can. And, um, I think again, on that, it just creates another team. And Mm -hmm. I think I I can't thank Andy enough for the support that she shows me. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we've already in our, our short three years of marriage have gone through so much with job losses, with just so many different things that, you know, there's time when Andy didn't have a job where I was the one carrying all the financial load. Really? And I, and I had no problem with it because again, that's, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do what I can for us. Mm-hmm. Then, then Andy gets a job. Things start to shift for me in the negative when everything with the, with COVID started where I lost hours because of shutdowns and things like that, where Andy got a job right as I lost it. Then Andy mm-hmm. kind of said, Hey, I'll step up. And then things started to go better for me she kind of had something that, that came up to where then again, boom, here I am being the one that that's stepping up and saying, I got it. Like, let me put it on my back. And then as of late, since November and kind of getting started in real estate, Andy's been the one like, Hey, I want you to do what you need to, because mm-hmm. I know you're going to put in the work to be able to kind of achieve, you know, achieve our goals that we want as a, as a family down the road. And right. so she knows like right now, like, let me, let me carry that you do what you need because I know you'll, you know, you'll put the work in to be able to, to carry that again. Um, and it's never been like a, Oh my gosh, can you go and do this? Like I'm struggling. Like, you know, I need you to do more. It's nothing like she understands that and, and vice versa. When, when she was out of a job, I, and I was like, Hey, you know, I know she wanted to get into interior design and, and kind of get in that path. And she was more marketing at this time. And, I said, look, go back to school, like go finish some stuff, get your certificate for interior design and start to learn. And so for that time, she was in school, she was Mm -hmm. in school and I was the only one working. But again, like I wanted her to do what again down the road was going to be best for her. And she put in the work on that end and now she's being rewarded. And so now Mm -hmm. it's kind of flip flopped where now I'm putting in the work and you know, it's not necessarily school, but it's definitely learning and, and learning as much as I can so that once I do get things rolling, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. You know, it's it's just we're we're smooth sailing, running as fast as we can go. Hmm. I love that. So it sounds like you have like a really big servant's heart. Like you just love to serve. Like is that like one of your love languages is like acts of service? Uh, it is. I mean, for me, it's a passion too, is, is being able to see people achieve their goals. Um, even when I was in sports, I, I very quickly and probably very unorthodox of a person in my position to do, but I jumped into a mentorship program um, that represented the whole country, the whole sporting industry. Um, and this is where, again, some of those connections came where I talked to people in London. I talked to people in France things like that. I've talked to people in Florida, New York, blah, 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 whatever, whether it's college students wanting to get into sports, whether it's somebody already in sports who's struggling that wanted to know what I was doing and and how my success was being stemmed from. Mm -hmm. um, That was always something that I enjoyed. It wasn't, it was something that I did for free because it wasn't something that I needed a pocket filler. It was something that I, I genuinely wanted to see that person Mm -hmm. who was willing to reach out and ask questions 
wanting to learn. And, and again, it was a passion of mine. So definitely, you know, being able to see people's dreams come true and specifically now in real estate, like as people begin their journey, whether it's a first time buyer starting in a, uh, a townhome or a condo, whatever it may be, and then working their way up to a house, that's again, goals that are being achieved. And I love nothing more than to, to be able to help them and, and help that path along. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So how, how did you like initially catch this like very servant leadership, almost altruistic uh, characteristic that is very unique, by the way? I love this. Like how how did you catch it? Sports. Definitely for me is when I was playing and was able to experience things that I did. And, you know, I think one specifically is is even growing up before I was playing at a specific level, just going to sporting events and, and you know, as a kid, loved getting autographs, loved getting yeah. pictures with the players. And, you know, some players were amazing and others not so much. Mm-hmm. And for me, I always told myself that if I was ever in that position, um, I would do whatever I could to make sure that I made a kid's day. One, two, 10, 20, 50, whatever. Right. Like I just wanted to make sure that the kids, because I knew what it was like. I knew what it was like to be that kid. And so I think that's where it comes from. And then as I began and I was in a position to be able to, you know, achieve that mindset that I had way back when I was a kid and knowing, knowing that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I did. And then even after when I was done playing and I started to coach a little bit, I, I started to saying, you know, in my head, you know, I've done this where I've, I've created this path. I've walked this road, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to make sure I can help you help yourself. And, And so what I would do is I would go to the players and I would talk to all the players that I had when I was coaching high school and I'd say, okay, who wants to go and play college soccer? And some mm-hmm. of them didn't want to. And that was totally fine because again, not everybody is, is driven that way. And that's, that's awesome. Um, but those that did, I, like, if you guys are serious, then stay with me 20 minutes after training every day and we'll talk about things. Oh, that's so good. And so we did. And, you know, I, I've been able to see, a few of the players that have actually taken it seriously and went on and played in college, you know, at four year schools. And it's just something that, again, for me, there's no dollar value that goes into those 20 minutes of, of speaking into somebody's life to be able to help, help them achieve that goal that they've placed on themselves. Again, it's just one of those passions that I've had, but again, I think it all stems from sports and just being that kid that loved autographs. Huh. Honestly, <laughs> the kids love autographs. Yeah. So, so would you? Would that be something that you'd want to teach the world how to do? Because, like, one of the questions that I love to ask people is like, if if you could teach the world one skill that you have, what would it be? So, would it be that skill, like having that like servant leadership mentality, or would you pick something else? I think that's because just like in my blood that's just an undergrown passion i think yeah because for me sports has always been a passion now obviously real estate is becoming that passion and and taking over but no matter what what i've seen myself is even now as i set goals for myself in real estate you know i don't want to just sell real estate 
and, and help clients buy or sell their houses, what I want to do is, again, eventually be able to add so much value that I can then go and help those that are wanting to start in real estate again. So it doesn't matter that it's sports, real estate, anything always comes back to trying to help people get their start and be available for people that want to grow and -hmm. achieve their goals. So I think that for sure, I think, again, no matter what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. I would always want to give back and try to help people achieve their goals. So yeah, I think that's a hundred percent. If if I had to give a TED talk <laughs> today, that's what it would be on. Oh, I love it, dude! I think we should get you set up with TED. We should just email them and see if we can get you set up. Bring it, Ted. Your resume is like a little bit impressive. Like you could definitely speak on like playing soccer internationally and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I wonder if we could do that. So let me let, let me ask you this: what, if 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 you um, like what's one thing that you wish people knew about you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, and, and is this people that like, if they just saw a picture, they're like, man, I wonder what this guy's like, or is it somebody that like I've interacted with before? Things like that. Let's do both. I think, I mean, I think just to even continue on with, with, you know, the servanthood and the servant leadership piece. I think if somebody were to look at a picture, that would be something that I would love people to know. Because again, I think so many times people are intimidated to ask those questions, especially mm-hmm. to people that have been in you know an industry or, or done uh, X amount of things in their life. They're yeah. like, Oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm so nervous to go and ask this person, you know, how to do this where it may be so simple and, and who knows, it may be simple for somebody that has done it for 25 years, but mm-hmm. for somebody that's done it for 20 minutes, it's going to be a, a complete, it's going to be a learning curve. But for somebody that is willing and, and loses that intimidation factor of going up and just asking those questions to learn, mm-hmm. I think that's something that I would love for people to know because, I mean, I don't think I have the, the intimidating face or anything like that, but, um, you know, you, that would you be- You definitely don't have RBF. Thank you. Thank you. I try, you know, I try to keep it, I, I, I try to keep it joyful all the time, but, um, but yeah, I think for, for people that don't know me and, and just see a picture, I, I, I wish that that would again come to mind when people are thinking about me as a person. Um, and then I think for people that know me, um, and specifically now in my time of life in real estate as, as, you know, just getting started here in the last few months where, you know, several times people are going to overlook people that just started because they're like, oh, well, they're just getting started. I need somebody that knows kind of the ins and outs, um, right. which, yeah, there's some truth to that. But for me, I think I want people to know like the determination and dedication that I put into something when I, when I run for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many times already within the last two weeks that I've actually had my license hung that my day has ended at 1145 because I've been in meetings, learning things. I've been having conversations, asking those questions that again, may be intimidating for others to ask, but I've asked them and and wanting to learn as much as possible to where when I actually have these conversations now with potential clients, it doesn't sound, at least in my, my mind and when I hear myself speak, it doesn't seem like I've only been in for two weeks, you know? So I think 
beyond kind of the, the front facing things, I, I would want people to know, you know, how determined I am and how dedicated I am to learning a craft mm-hmm. and, and coming to as close as perfection as possible, which again, I know we're not perfect and nobody ever will be. Um, but again, just being able to provide so much value, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how long you've been in it. And so I think that's, that's something else as well. Yeah. So one of the things I heard just now is that you're seeing that there's success principles that transfer from sports to business and even from job to job, right? Um, I think one of the reasons why you're going to be unbelievably successful in real estate is because you identified that and you can like sum down the, the things that actually transfer. Like for, for, for soccer, sports, business, it's you know, coming early, staying late. Um, for from you know a sales job to a different type of sales job, it's kind of creating that authentic um, curiosity and authentic sales a technique where you actually try to serve your customers um, instead of you know just sell them for a quick buck and actually create a relationship and um, maybe even have a little bit of impact. What what other things would you say has has transferred from season to season in your life? Yeah, no, and and kind of to tack on to what you just mentioned, I think it's a hundred percent. And I think the one thing that, that needs to be grabbed is the fact that in sales, it's, it's still a service role. Um, yeah, you're, you're selling somebody, but even when I first started in sales, I actually did not like it and I hated it because the only thing I thought about and, and it's what Hollywood per, you know, persuaded sales to be was your slimy <laughs> car salesman, right. you know, like the Wolf of Wall Street. That's, I mean, that's really how I thought. I'm like, man, when I say that I'm in sales, people are going to look at me that way and think like, oh my gosh, it's, you know, and the moment that I realized and I changed my mindset to, I'm actually helping somebody that's not able to experience this if it wasn't for me. Yeah. That's where things started to change for me because it was, it was no longer a sales role specifically. I viewed it as again, a relationship building role. Um, because again, so many people look at different things and, you know, I've had countless times too in, in past roles that I've talked people out of purchasing things, which <laughs> hurts a pocket, you know, hurts a pocketbook for myself, but I would much rather have somebody have be completely satisfied for what they're getting than yeah. again, a quick buck as, as right. you kind of mentioned. And so for me, again, the transferable piece is just that understanding of what people truly are looking for mm-hmm. and take take yourself out of the equation because you're not the one that's going into the purchase you're the one helping to facilitate again the goal that they're trying to achieve whether that's a house for them living in whether that's an investment property whether that's seats at a sporting event whether that's mm-hmm. a car anything like that like you know, because my taste is very different from your taste. Your taste is very different from, you know, Josh's taste or whatever, right? It's mm-hmm. all different. And so if I try to sell you what I like, you may hate it. Mm-hmm. But I, but if in my head, I'm like, well, this is the best car on the lot. Like, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the best car in my perspective, but your perspective could be completely different. So what right. am I to do to try to talk you into something that I really like? without hearing what you like and what you will really enjoy and be satisfied with. Um, and so again, I think that that is the biggest thing is just being able to actively listen and understand 
mm-hmm. which so many people I think in conversations and I've heard it where they just wait for cues to go and say the next thing. They don't truly understand what's being said um, to understand how they can actually effectively impact uh, this person's life that they're working with. Yeah, yeah. Cause I feel like being in real estate, you're you're sure you're you're selling a home, but really what you're doing is, you know, selling the mornings when you're waking up and getting a cup of coffee and sitting in your favorite chair and you know doing a devotional or having a quiet time and then going to your home office now because a lot of people have that and so like what, what you're selling is is the environment mm-hmm. right? you're you're almost selling a, a dream life that people could have right right and i think it's, it's I, don't, I don't think it's about the mortgage i don't think it's about like even the price for it because if you can figure out how to cast a vision and cast like the picture of the perfect place for someone to live i think you're going to pay they're going to stretch their budget. They're going to figure out how to, how to get that. Yeah. Um, because people really just want bliss. They want like that peace of mind, regardless of, of what's going on. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? A hundred percent. And it's, it's just painting the picture. Like you said, putting, allowing them to visualize themselves in this space when again, they roll out of bed, whether it's a, a house with a view of the lake or, you know, an open field. Again, yeah. people are so different. Some people won't or do anything. Or in the backyard with uh, an archer range back there. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. But again, that's the thing is, is yeah. everybody has so many different impactful things that they look for that yeah. you can't, again, you have to take yourself out of the conversation. And I think for me, I learned that when I worked in the NHL um, for the LA Kings. And so many times people specifically in sports thrive they either crash and burn or they soar with team performance Mm -hmm. and when you in your conversations base your selling points off of the last game it's not going to go well for you because what happens when your team loses four in a row Mm -hmm. nobody's going to want to talk to you because you're like well you know we're struggling right now but like don't worry we're going to win the next one and then you lose the next one now what's happening so instead of focusing on that thing that honestly you cannot control you have zero control in what happens on the ice or whatever. You can focus on how, how much fun they're going to have with their kid at these games. How many memories are going to be created when, mm-hmm. you know, Dylan gets to see the first hat trick from his favorite player and he gets to throw his hat on the ice, you know, things like that. But for me, that all 100%. shifted. That all shifted because when I first started, in hockey, I, for, I came from soccer, went to hockey, and the dollar amount is completely different. Um, you Longer know, I, higher. Higher. Hockey is really? so much more expensive than, than soccer. And I remember, you know, specifically for the Kings, we were struggling very, very much team performance-wise. We were dead last in the league. Um, it's L.A., you know, very fair-weather sports fans there for the most part. And... If teams are doing good, people love them. If they are doing bad, nobody wants to even see the, the colors. Mm-hmm. Um, where the cheapest pair – cheapest is not the, the correct word. The most affordable we'll, – we'll say the most affordable mm-hmm. um, seats in the entire arena that you could stand up and touch the roof um, for two for the entire year were about $3,300. Wow. Um, now – the most expensive seats for two that's right on the, you know, the lower level sitting 
at center ice was touching $15,000 a year for two. So $15,000. And for me, I'm sitting there going, I would never in my life spend $15,000 a year to watch hockey. That's, that's just me. That's just me. And so what I right. saw myself doing is as I'm going in these conversations, subconsciously, I'm here sitting there trying to actually talk people out of it. When I, when I didn't realize like, okay, I won't spend that money, but somebody will. Somebody Someone loves might. hockey enough that that's their, that's their expensive value that mm-hmm. they will spend money on. You know? mm-hmm. And so what am I to put, again, myself in that conversation? I'm not. Because mm-hmm. then I, I don't understand exactly what they're looking for because I'm looking at it from my lens. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's, some, that's where I learned the most. And again, once I started to learn and change the mentality, my career with the Kings in L.A. soared. And I did really mm-hmm. well. Um, but again, I needed to take myself out of those conversations because I'm not the one purchasing. I'm just the one helping and serving to be able to figure out what exactly they want to do. Right. So super great. I forget my bit. Um, dang dude. You, see, you got like a, you have a ton of wisdom to share. When are you going to have guys going to have kids and how many kids are you going to have? Like all of, like, or are you tired of hearing that, that question? No, 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 not tired. Um, you know, I think for me, it, it, so there's a running joke with Andy and I, when we got married, I always said when we were married for five years, like kids could be a thing, you know, and Andy always said seven years. She wanted seven years of marriage before kids. Um, like I said, we were coming up on three years now. If you were mm-hmm. to ask Andy tomorrow, she would still tell you seven years. Um, and it's just become a joke now, but honestly, I think that conversation has started. It's not necessarily like a, like, okay, let's, we're planning this year or whatever, but the conversation has started. And I think for me, it was going down to emerge and seeing that and the oh, atmosphere. That was intense, bro. Um, and just seeing that atmosphere of, of being able to, as a man, grow a family and, and, and be able to just help again, mm-hmm. help. Um, and so no, no plans right now. Um, ideally, and I know everybody always says, you know, you're never going to be financially ready for kids. And I, I've under, I understand that. But again, for me, I think I do want to kind of get up and going in real estate before right. that. So I know it's not, um, you know swimming in the mud uh, right. to, to make sure that our, our kid is taken yeah. care of and, and healthy. Um, so so were, were you the mindset that like you were nervous to like have or even talk about having kids because the world's so crazy right now? Absolutely. Especially when things really first started, I, um, I was like, man, what it, you know, I don't know that I specifically, you know, right now, I don't know that this is great. Um, but anymore, I think as I've learned in my life and I said earlier, I'm not the planner of my life. I think there's, I think God's got everything already planned out and it's just, Mm -hmm. it's up to me to be able to, uh, steward that correctly. Um, and so again, for me, your path, but then you have to walk in it. it, Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm ready 
to to begin that actual conversation mm-hmm. to be not just a hey what do you think but actually like hey what's what are things what you know more of an in-depth conversation to where it actually could go somewhere mm-hmm. yeah so yeah i'm i'm actually i i'm not married and i don't have even anyone that i'm talking to but i i want a lot of kids and i, mm-hmm. I was kind of the same like mindset as you where I was like, oh no, like this world's crazy. Like, I don't want them to, like, I don't want to bring kids in this world. It's so nuts. And I think, to be honest, that's like one of the biggest lies that people buy into. It's like why you shouldn't have kids. Right. And one of the things that I've thought of is like, well, I think you should have kids because you hold these values and uh, that are different from the rest of the world. Like, you know, for me, I'm very conservative and very Christian and up here in the Seattle area, it's super liberal and atheist and kind of anti-God, even anti-American. And so, uh, but then if you look at the, it's really interesting. If you look at the birth rates of, you know, conservative Christians, um, it far outweighs the birth rates of liberals. And mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's because they're, they're getting abortions and that's a totally different topic. But I mean, I think it's like our responsibility to, have kids have a lot of them and teach them the way that they should go because that's one of the ways that we're going to be able to save the world from this crazy division it's not that i want everyone to think the same way Mm -hmm. you know i i I, it's more of like i want to solve the problem of pollution uh like this thought pollution by diluting it with you know more kids and more people that think uh, rationally instead of irrationally. Right. I mean, right. this whole thing with with Twitter and the left, like basically calling out for for censorship and uh, <laughs> Biden's creating a ministry of truth. I don't know. It's like way off topic from like actual kids, but it's like there's just stuff is like nuts. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, if if if, if you're gonna have kids today, like, um, what would, how would you teach them to not be like entitled little wimpy snowflakes? Yeah, I mean, I I think for me it was just, and, and you know, you always laugh because the the old story of like, you know, you hear your parents, yeah, I, when I was in school, I had to walk to school barefoot in the snow in, both in ways snow. uphill. Um, over glass getting attacked by jaguars <laughs> yeah yeah so you know it's always funny but i think for me it, it is just kind of going through and, and showing them like hey like you do have to work for things that you're that you want to achieve because again you know i i absolutely loved my childhood there there's some things that i i would definitely change um you know my my parents are divorced but i think it taught me so many valuable lessons mm-hmm. um on what I, I strive for in a family and have a very, very good relationship with both of my parents. And, you know, now they have a good relationship as well to where there's cordial conversations going on. There's no animosity, but again, it took a long time. Um, but I think even in our childhood, my sister and I were raised in a way that if you want to achieve something, you've got to work for it. Like it's not going to be given to you. It's not going to be handed down. Mm -hmm. And I, I think as I started to progress on, there's definitely times where I saw, you know, even in sports, guys that were less talented mm-hmm. um, on the field but had more opportunity. 
And again, with that, I didn't like sulk and sit back and like, oh, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. Sure, it's not fair. Life's not fair. But what I did and what I was taught and instilled is like, if you want it, go work for it. Like work hard. Don't don't quit. Don't stop. If this is something you really want to achieve and strive for, then do it. And and I did. I mean, I was never supposed to play in college. I was always told Mm -hmm. I was too small, too short, you know, and. Oh, you got told that? Oh, a hundred percent all the time. Dude, um, you had like the Rudy, the Rocky kind of mentality then. And I went on to play. In, I, I played in college, had great experiences, um, and then got to play after college, you know, in, in, in Europe for a little bit. And I just think, again, if I were to listen to, oh, that's not fair, you know, then, or, or, hey, you're, you are too small. You're not going to do, you know, you're not going to make it. Then who knows, you know, but I think so many times that, it is like, oh, you know, it's not fair. Let's, let's think of a way to, you know, try and make it fair. No, mm-hmm. life is never going to be fair no matter what you do. Right. And for me, I think I'm, I'm just so thankful that my parents instilled in me that if you're going to, if you want something that bad, go work for it. Um, right. And I think that's going to be the same thing that, that Andy and I, and I think Andy also is very rooted in that as well, mm-hmm. um, that nothing is free. I mean, even you think about it and again, this, you know, freedom isn't free. Like we have men and women fighting, fighting for us. Right. Mm -hmm. Like as we're seeing around the world, like it's just, it's crazy, but nothing is free. Mm -hmm. And if you want something, you have to earn it, whether Mm -hmm. that's respect, whether that's money, whether that's fame, you have to earn it. Like you do have to really work for it. Um, and Sometimes, you know, and this, again, it's the fact of sometimes it's easier for people, 100%. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a lot harder for people. Mm -hmm. But work ethic is going to go a lot further. I Mm -hmm. Again, you know, some of the guys that I played against that had a little bit of an easier route, you know, they they got to play. They played professionally. They got their names on the big screens, things like that. But they played Mm -hmm. a few years. They played only a few years, and then they were done. Um. And I think it was because of when you get to that level, your work ethic better be there or else you're never going to touch the field again. You know, like that's just, that's how it is. Um, Right. So I think that those are some of, again, the key pieces that I would focus on to, to make sure that my kids know that, look, it's up to you. You, you determine your future, nobody else. Wow. I, I think that's freaking fantastic. So, personal responsibility, hard work. Why do you think that there's so many people that just blame other people for their own mistakes? Like why, why is it hard to take ownership? Yeah. I mean, life? the reason is because it's easier. That's, that's a simple one. It's an easy is thing it, to is, do. Is it easier though? I mean, short term it's easier, but long term, I feel like you just dig yourself into a bigger hole. 100%. But again, so many people don't think long term. Uh-huh. Right now, we're in an instant gratification phase where we want it, we want it now. Mm-hmm. If I don't get my Amazon package next day delivery, I'm writing a letter and I want a refund. Right? That's where, that's where things are at this point. Mm-hmm. So that's why when I say it's easier, that's what it is. Because people are in that instant gratification where, again, for me, you know, I, I, right now I'm not in a financial situation where I want to be. But that also means that I right now there's different things that I'm focusing on. I'm focusing long term mm-hmm. where, man, I would love to go to 
John Howie Steakhouse every night because goodness gracious, those steaks are wonderful. Shout out. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm or the I'm, underground steakhouse. Yeah. Oh, shout out again. Shout out Amon. That's right. Um, which I'm still Amon waiting for. Uh, waiting for the tech. Um, I'll get you on the list. Hey, thank you. Um, but again, I know that right now those are some sacrifices that I have to make to really achieve the goal that I want. And, and the goal that I have is, is a long-term vision of making sure that when my kids are here and growing up, like I can help them. I can take, you know, when they're in college, I can take them and their friends out to dinner and not have mm-hmm. anybody worry about it because I'm like, Hey, you know what? We've worked, Andy and I have worked for this to be able to make mm-hmm. sure that our kids are taken care of down the road. And if yeah. that means that, you know, we can't go out to, you know, the nicest places right now. That's a sacrifice that both her and I are willing to make because right. again, our vision and our goals are, are longer term mm-hmm. and we're not into the instant gratification as, you know, of course we are, I'm sure in some aspects, but that's not, that's not the forefront of where we're driven. Dude. Dude, really good. I mean, because we're all kind of pre-programmed to want that instant gratification. Right. Because right? we're just human. Right. But right. understanding that if you deny yourself and figure out how to have discipline and not just go after whatever you feel like is good, it, it creates more of a, of a strong mental game for yourself. So 100%. I love it. Well, dude, it's um, it's 11 o'clock, so I think you got a hard out. But um, great talking to you, bro. I Dude. love this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I think this is awesome just being able to have the conversations and dive into yeah. really anything. So, I mean, yeah, this, I, this podcast is gonna, it's not going to be about really anything specifically, just what we're you know talking about that day. And so I think it's really valuable for people to, I mean, even just get to know you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's awesome. So thank you. Anyway, man. Awesome. Well, we're going to, we're going to peace out. Have a, have a great lunch with uh, with Andy. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Buy her it. flowers. I will. Buy, buy her flowers. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs>